Hi, everybody. Well, it is time for another Awesome Women podcast. And today we have the fabulous Michelle Serson with us. Hi, Michelle. Hello. Thank you for having me. Oh, my pleasure. I'm looking forward to this chat. So Michelle's bio. Michelle is a construction lawyer with an actual site experience who knows how to build. Having studied law while working as a CA for a commercial builder, Michelle's context to industry is like no other. Michelle has qualifications in building and law, and she's even a licensed project manager client side. Michelle joins us today in her role as construction lawyer for McCarthy Jury Lawyers and is here to talk to us about price walls, underpricing, and how to deal with material price rises. Yes. Big topics. Big topics, huge explosive topics. Huge. So, so keen to get yeah. uh, into the juicy stuff on this one. Oh, uh, me too. Let's go. Yeah. So, this is the thing with this topic, Amanda. I've been watching the industry for the last decade cut each other's throats on pricing and, you know, zero to negative margins from Bill's camp to win jobs. These guys basically riding a Mexican wave of revenue to try and keep themselves alive, but there's going to be an end date for it. And then along come material price increases and the industry is in absolute turmoil. So at the law firm, you can imagine we are inundated by calls from homeowners, um, subbies who are not being paid, builders who can't afford to build these jobs anymore or who have got homeowners who are putting additional pressure on them, um, contracts with no ability to get more money, some contracts with an ability to get more money. Industry associations seem to be dragging the chain a little bit to fix the problem and no one really knows what to do. Um, so and I suppose the other thing is a, a conversation around how do subcontractors and, and builders put up their rates at the moment? We're seeing suppliers put up their rates every single opportunity they can. And as you know, my husband's in material supply to resi builders and he says to me, come off it two years ago. We were losing jobs over 50 bucks and we've had to give up margin for the last decade as well. And at the moment, this is the only way we can claw back what we've lost mm-hmm. uh, and everyone else should be doing it too. So the big adjustment that's happening, oh, I'm just so keen to help the industry understand how to have this conversation without breaking the law because you can find yourself in hot water for talking about minimum viable price points. Uh, people have been prosecuted by the ACCC for very, what should have been very innocent mm-hmm. um, conversations in Facebook groups and maybe, you know, even in public forums like webinars and podcasts and things like that. So, yeah. It's interesting. That's where it all comes from. And I know that we're going to have an amazing chat uh, with your estimating skills and abilities as yeah. well. Yeah. I, look, I, in my 20 odd years, have never seen it this volatile. It, it's mm. just insane. Yeah. yeah. It's absolutely, it, it's just scary. It's scary because the, the price of land is going up so fast. Developers are adjusting their contract prices. It happened to us, actually, yeah. their own block of land. Uh, we haven't even been game enough to talk to a builder yet properly to sign something up. And we know the price is just not going to be anything like what we think it is. So you just have to ride the wave. But the big thing is um, a lot of people don't realize that the price wars that we've been having 
uh, health for leather for the last few decades have actually been borderline predator pricing. So uh, one thing I didn't know until I became a construction lawyer was that there are anti-competitive behaviour provisions in the Competition and Consumer Act 2010. Um, One of the things is called predator pricing and it's where you actually undercut your competitor for the purpose of driving them out of the industry um, or shutting them down entirely. So you really can't do that if you're trying to narrow the competition by putting in unviable prices or underpricing. It's illegal. Uh, It is also really bad business model type stuff. So is it something that you see a lot of when you're giving... uh, you're giving advice to people on where rates should be at and they will just do a blanket discount, rub their tummy, pat their head and and decide on a price. Yeah, yeah. And at the moment, you know, it's um, more so than ever. You know, back in the day, we'd have a price increase for timber frame, for example, in March and November. They'd sit around that 3 to 6%. Um, and you knew, you just knew that was coming. And so you were able to budget it into your costings and everything else. But, you know, those days are gone at the moment. I'm hoping they'll come back. But, yeah, the the dartboard and the where do we put our pricing is very much in that space. And it yeah. scares the living bejesus out of me as a, yeah. in that procurement. In that, from that procurement and estimating space, yeah, um, yeah I, I, it's incredibly concerning. It's funny. Uh, when I finished my law degree, I had this little bit of a hiatus where I wasn't sure if I was going to be a lawyer or not, and I went for some interviews with some commercial <laughs> builders. Yeah. And in one of the interviews with a very well-known Queensland commercial builder, they said to me, hey, how would you go with making margin on jobs where we're bidding at 4% margin? And I just said, I'm not sure I actually want to work with you guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were they were saying to me, look, we've got concerns that you've got legal qualifications and you don't have a construction management degree. And I was just laughing because I used to tutor those guys at uni and they were not learning what they needed to learn to be able to build something. Um, but this guy basically tried to talk me into working for their legal department. And I said to him, look, I'm not here for a legal job and I'm actually worried you've got your own legal department. And I'm really bloody worried that you're bidding at negative 4% margins. But that's, it's such a chronic cycle because bidding at negative 4% margin commercial buildup, then suddenly go spread my prelims out across as many jobs as possible. And the CAs, uh, they can't afford to hire decent staff. So mm-hmm. you get a graduate CA that's across four projects and you give them the little dollar value projects because you think it's lower risk. But the very first thing I learned as a builder CA is it doesn't matter if it's a $2 million project or a $200 million project, you've still got to let the number of trades. It's actually harder for the shorter, smaller ones because you've yeah. got to do it so quickly and in the big ones, at least you've got like the structures going up while you've still got time to work out the finishing trades. Mm. So you're actually putting more pressure on these CAs who are graduates straight out of there, don't know what they're doing, trying to let Indeed. trades, trying, yeah. can't write a scope of work to save themselves. So it's, yeah, it's an absolute dog's breakfast and such a really horrible cycle. Um, one of the things in terms of being able to have a really good conversation about what pricing should be in the industry actually has to come from your own internal numbers so if you haven't done the business modeling to understand what your overheads are um, you know you need to know what you're paying your staff if you're a non-eba 
subby and you're competing with an EBA subby, you're going to have very different overheads as well. So intrinsically knowing your numbers and then you actually have to derive your minimum viable price and it is not going to be the same as your competitor because they're going to have different things going on. The silly thing about it is it all comes from within and all I ever see people do is gaslighting themselves over, does my competition know something I don't? Have they got better buy rates? I bet you those guys are selling to better. Are they using their rebate to discount their prices? And instead of just actually looking at what kind of a business model do we have? What is our unicorn customer? What is it, you know, where's the market at from a general perspective? Yeah. And how much do I want to get out of bed for? And we have enough data, even over the last couple of years with these incredible price increases, we have enough data that we can go back and have a look at. Sure, two years isn't perfect, but it's better than nothing. And again, it's, you know, I can't stress enough. And I know people who listen to our podcast, you know, know that I'm big on networking, but I really can't stress enough the power that that has right now and the phone call where you can pick it up and go, hey, Kim, I've heard this. Have you heard the same? We're not sharing trade secrets. We're just making sure that the water cooler talk and particularly when you're hearing about these future price increases and you won't get anything on a letterhead for at least another three to four months. Mm. It's just making sure that you're hearing what everybody else is hearing. Yeah. Nine times out of 10, it'll come to fruition, right? It's gone are the days where it's not going to happen. Yeah. This is the time where you need to be out there and going to those industry association breakfasts, mm-hmm. lunches, talk to people you normally wouldn't talk to if mm. for no other reason than to have that extra connection there. Yeah, it's, it makes complete sense. Uh, I used to think that business coaches were selling magic fairy dust and then I got one and realised I knew nothing about business But one of the first things I learned was the rule of abundance is that there is actually enough out there for everyone. And that if you collaborate and partner rather than try to slay your competition, you can actually have some kind of bargaining uh, leverage in the industry where the bargaining gets into anti-competitive behaviour is if you're talking to one or more of your competitors about Um, making arrangements for minimum prices. That's a big no-no, so we can't do any price fixing. Um, You need to work out your own numbers and what your own viability is. But the um, Competition and Consumer Act actually has some exemptions for collective bargaining, which is allowed, and you can do it through the ACCC. So you need to fill out some forms and have an arrangement in place with a group of Um, like-minded competitors so for example you could go to AWCI one of those industry associations where you're all the same trade Mm -hmm. and you're all buying the same type of stuff and you could look at a collective bargaining agreement for competition for one particular supply item maybe it's about the shortage of timber and how it's being divvied up at the moment yeah perfect example of how to do that yeah Um, and then actually being able to get people to agree how rationing will take place. The other thing you can get approved is a code of conduct. And the lawyer in me, my desire for fairness and parity in in contract terms, come on, guys. Like if ever there was something that you were going to band together to eradicate unfair contract terms that are completely unworkable, that are ruining people's business, has to be one of the number one priorities Um, I'll give you an example. I've always wondered about scaffolders. They send their uh, materials to the job site. They're not doing building work. By the time the job's at practical completion, they've taken everything down and taken it away. They actually have a hire agreement 
And when the job is finished, if it runs over, they should get paid longer and more higher period. But they go to commercial builders and they sign contracts with liquidated damages, fixed price contracts, all this sort of stuff. And there's, you know, their ability to be able to get variations is limited. If only, if only maybe the Scaffolders Association talk to their members about a collective bargaining agreement for a standardised set of contracting terms or a code of conduct where they say we're never going to sign a builder's contract that includes liquidated damages because we're actually a supplier of higher equipment. We're not doing building work. So anyway, it's just one example of how people need to work together to level the playing field and change the landscape of their trade. And you are completely kamikaze and head in the sand, walking into the fan very likely with all of your mates if you are just going to keep cutting each other's throats on price. Yeah. So what happens with those um, clients that are building a home and then all of a sudden, whether it's before they sign the final contract or during construction, they get this variation and it's been written about in a number of articles over the last few weeks with a variety of builders yes. for another $40,000, $60,000, $70,000 to finish their home. Where do they sit, Michelle? Yeah, so it depends on whether it's a HIA, Master Builders, QBCC contract, if there's a contract. Oh, Stop uh, it. <laughs> <laughs> there, should, there should be a contract, but it depends on the type of contract that they have got and what the contract terms are. So some of the standard four contracts don't have any ability for rise and fall. Um, one in particular, and I'm not going to talk specifics here, um, but one in particular doesn't really give you any right to get out of the contract either unless there's a problem with the building approval. Mm-hmm. Um, a different associations really move quickly and put in some provisions, but some of those provisions might be in contravention of the QBCC Act uh, and some of the warranties and things that they have to do with that. It's a situation typically for the builder where if they if the job doesn't reach um, or kick off on site by the anticipated start date, that there might be an opportunity there, depending on which contract they're under, for them to ask for a price increase. They can have special conditions written into those contracts, those builders could, to allow them to have rise and fall. Um, for big ticket items, they might like to list it out. And at the moment, because there is such a thirst for builders to build homes for people um, this would potentially be the best time to start asking your customers to sign up to those things having said that if you're a homeowner and you come to a lawyer for advice you're going to be advised not to sign it Mm -hmm. we do have many clients who do sign house and land packages which Mm -hmm. are fraught with danger particularly if your land contract is subject to finance and your building contract's not or vice versa or if your building contract is not subject to the settlement of the land contract Uh, yeah, so it's difficult. It's it's difficult to be able to give you a, a concise answer in terms of what happens, but usually there are. It will depend on the contract that you've signed, whether you're the homeowner or the builder, as to whether or not there can be a price increase, and you really need to sort of get in touch really quickly to be able to work it out um, because we have had clients who have come to the firm and it, they've had land under contract that's been delayed and delayed and delayed and they've had a builder who said, hey, here's a price increase. And the builders have been reasonable. We've been able to go back and say, hey, I'm a first home buyer and I'm not going to be able to afford to pay you this much. We simply won't get finance anymore. Yeah. So yeah. would you release us from the contract and give us back our um 
deposit and that builder has said no problem at all applied to QBCC to have their insurance premium released Mm -hmm. they've got it and they've been given back their deposit and everybody's gone along happy Um, but in other instances and sometimes the same builder has handled it poorly and um, you know if you're going to a first home buyer who's used the first home buyer's grant to have a five percent deposit and you give them a 50 grand price increase what do you expect is going to happen and not just first homeowners, but others. I've built homes. I sure as buggery didn't have another fifty or sixty thousand dollars kicking around in a can for a rainy day. Oh, the classic at the moment is where the builder gives an invoice, suspends work, mm-hmm. and says you haven't paid it. And the bank says, "I'm, you know, either you've invoiced too much or you've invoiced for the wrong stage. The builders aren't even invoicing in the sequence in the schedule. And by the way, some of the contracts don't even have a provision that requires them to build in accordance with the construction sequence in the schedule. Uh, and then the bank and the builder are at a stalemate and you've got a first home buyer who's 20 years old in the middle of the bank and the builder having a Barney about an invoice saying, and the builder saying, you know, $600 a day, delay costs while your bank delays in paying my invoice and the bank saying you haven't bricked in the building yeah we're not going to pay you for enclosed and you know it's it's just not common sense and it I from a brand perspective I hope that the residential builders remember that there will not always be a heyday and that there will be a competitive market again and this could be damaging forever And, and that's for the trade as well right some of the trade prep rates are phenomenal. You know, you know, some of them are 300% price increases in 18 months. Yes. You know, it's the same story there. You know, we're not taking sides here in the podcast. Everyone just needs to know that the sun will not continue to shine yes. forever. Yes. And, and, you know, if you are unfair to the builder or the client or whoever, they will remember. Yes. Well, if you're underpricing still too and you are still cutting your competitors' throat to win the job, what's your starting point going to be when it gets competitive again? I don't know if they'll be around, Michelle. Really, yeah. if, they're, if their margins are that low and they are unaware of significant price increases that are mm. forecast, mm. they're not going to have the money to continue building, to finish the build, let alone anything yeah. else. Yeah, No, um, I once had a boyfriend whose dad had a financial advisor who told him to invest in trees and we used to tease the absolute crap out of this guy. And now I'm thinking, mate, if I'd invested in trees five years ago. (laughs) (laughs) That's it. And and what we're talking about isn't just related to Queensland or Australia. This is Mm. a global issue, right? And it's Mm -hmm. got... Sure, the pandemic is in there, but it's not the only reason this is all happening. No, no, it's not. No, look, um, one of the other things that I've noticed people doing is in the desperation of trying to work out how to make a buck or how to make sure they keep market share is people um, popping up with multiple business names selling Mm. the same thing. They're actually the same entity and they're just channeling customers back to themselves that's really naughty. It's actually illegal and you should definitely have a look in the show notes, download my article and read about all the ways you might be falling foul of anti-competitive behaviour. So there are too many to go through in our podcast. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't want to be boring and have people tune out. <laughs> but 
just have a look at the left-hand column and go, is somebody doing this to me or could I possibly be doing this to them? And is there a good reason it's happening? And if there is a good reason it's happening, maybe have a look into whether or not that's something that could be an approved arrangement with the ACCC through your industry association. So um, I have always got all the time in the world for industry associations and advocating for this stuff. It's one of my um, passion content pillars, price wars, we need to fix the world. So, um, yeah, if you ever need any help with that, get in touch. Yeah, fantastic. Now, we will share um, articles and your details. Now, you've also um, got an offer for anybody that's listening. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so um, if you want to jump into a free 15-minute consultation with me, about anything at all doesn't have to be about pricing um, I am a practicing construction lawyer with McCarthy jury lawyers if I can't help you one of our team can um, we cover all areas except for personal injury and criminal so um, give us give us a call yeah let us know and if we find that there's a few of you that are asking the same question maybe we might do a quick 15 minute webinar or something on it and yeah we can answer everybody's questions once yes. rather than yes 20 questions individually. Yes. So yeah, yeah, happy to. Yep, sounds yeah. great. Fantastic. Well, thank you very much, Michelle. This is yeah. a topic I could talk to you about all day and then some. Um, but we have only scratched the surface. So if anybody does have any questions, let us know. If you don't want to ask them on on the platform, send us an email and we'll be more than happy to get in touch and have a chat. Sounds amazing. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. Have a great day, everybody. Bye-bye.